Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Lenten Studies. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so right off the bat, Lent Madness is still happening. Absolutely. However, it's not what we're studying this year at Central. Correct. Sadly. Last year, we did the whole kit and caboodle, had the great big giant poster, did all kinds of stuff. And this year, we're moving on to something else. But Lent Madness is absolutely happening. They've got a brand new bracket for 2019. They do, and it's a tough one. Man, oh man. I already looked, and on the 22nd of this month, there's a matchup that just has my little heart aching already. (laughs) I love both of them. I shall refrain from voting that day. Oh, I'm not. I'm going to vote every day, baby. In, in like, just an abstention of ethics, I think, for me. Fantastic. Okay, so it's out there for anybody who chooses to go looking for it. We'll throw a link up on our podcast page. Perfect. Otherwise, you can find it pretty easily by searching for Lent Madness. And I think the website address is just www.lentmadness.org. Yep. Brilliant. Okay, that said, what are we using this year? We are using a host of readings from different books, from five different sources, actually. We have okay. four books and an article that we will be reading this year. Where did you find these? I didn't. Hmm. This is actually the work of... Bonnie, who is a member of our congregation, but is also a member of the Oregon Synod Mission Table and the Synod Council, and who is working at the synodical level on the visioning piece that the Synod has been doing around vitality. And so some of these texts that were suggested were directly from the studies that she's been doing the last year or so. Okay. And they're all different selections focused around this conversation that we've been having about how this 500-year marker Mm -hmm. where the church changes every 500 years, Mm -hmm. the changes that we're actually seeing. Sure. So maybe 10 years ago, people were really talking a lot about how every 500 years, the church changes. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Now, 10 years later. It's here. It's here. It's here. It's here. It's here. And so contemporary scholars are really writing a lot about, well, what does the here now look like? We don't know what the next is going to look like, but how do we ground ourselves in our sacred story in order to understand that this is part of being a part of God's people, that this just happens? Fascinating to me, because how do you know in the moment? Well, isn't this something that you look back on and go, oh, that was a major shift? Well, except that it's happened every 500 years. So well, yes, this is the fourth because time. we're looking back on it in the middle of when it's actually happening. Did they stand around and go, this is going to have lasting implications? I think that the people in the Reformation did. Yeah, but until it gets enough legs, it could just be two men arguing, right? True. Absolutely. That's the point where I'm like, well, at what point do you have enough momentum that you can actually see enough change to call it something? Totally fair. I hope it doesn't take the peasants' war. (laughs) That would be terrible. (laughs) Right? That's probably the point at which you could tell at the time of the Reformation that this is going to have long-lasting consequences was a war that killed thousands of people. Sure. Hopefully we don't have to get there. We do have a large departure from the structured church and massively declining denominations. And 
that kind of data that we've watched over the past 10 to 20 years is a significant enough trend that we can say this is probably very much lasting. Okay. So you can look at it internationally and see what's happened to the churches in Europe. Okay. And see that we're following after them, like we're on a 10-year delay from them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. They're empty. Mm. Right. Their churches are predominantly empty. And so we're kind of following behind them in our churches emptying out. Hmm. We can look at birth rates. Sure. I mean, frankly, just look at the rate at which our population is or isn't growing and how many kids people are or aren't having. And then look at generationally whether or not people are participating in religion and the likelihood that they will continue to participate in religion down the road. And so those kinds of pieces add up to looking and saying, oh, no, really, there's a major shift right now. Okay. There's something significant happening right now that was not happening 50 or 100 years ago. Okay, so tell me about these texts that you've chosen. Absolutely. We're going to ask a little bit more of folks in our classes this year. Mm, Not just show up and get a handout, huh? Yeah, this year we're asking people to read ahead. Ooh. We're assigning homework. Ooh, homework. Homework. Oh, man. I know. Lent was already terrible for me with the whole giving up of things. And it seemed dreary. And it's How about, a terrible time of year. Now I have homework. Instead of giving up something, take on doing the homework. You know, that would be lovely, except I specifically never joined book clubs for a reason. Fair. Very fair. Very fair. <laughs> but the readings, I promise, are not hard. Okay. I was able to do all five of them in one three-hour sit-down. Okay. Admittedly, some of this theological terminology and some of this stuff that they're talking about, I've been studying for a long time. And sure. so it might it's not be... It's going to be an easier read for you than potentially for others. Right. Which is why we're not asking everyone to read the entire thing for the first week. Well, that's very right? nice of you. <laughs> we're asking folks to read one chunk at a time. And so the first section is a chapter from the book called Canoeing the Mountains, Christian Leadership in Uncharted Territories. Okay. And again, we will have links to all these books that we're using on the podcast page. Absolutely. And this first one, we're reading chapter two of this, and really it's the concept, and there's a whole lot more to it, but in brief is this idea talking about Lewis and Clark. Okay. A couple of folks that we kind of know a little bit about in Oregon. We're pretty proud of being the end of the Oregon Trail. But there was a moment in their exploration, where they expected to crest the top of this place and to gently ride their canoes right into the Pacific Ocean. Why? Because you assume such a thing? No one had seen the other side. No one had crested this continental divide before. That always means that it's going to be hard, not easy. Well, they got there and they got over the hill and the next thing they see are the Rockies. Mm, Yeah. And they've come That's to the a gentle <laughs> canoe ride by any stretch. No. So they get to the foot of the Rockies with canoes, right? Thinking that they're going to be able to canoe their way and they're experts on navigating rivers, but uh-huh. they don't know how to navigate mountains. Oh, fording a mountain with a canoe just sounds terrible. Like they know how to handle the Appalachians, sure. which is where I grew up, which are beautiful, gentle rolling hills. The Rockies are a little different. Mm-hmm. And so. What this book, what this chapter is kind of saying is, as the church, we have known how to canoe a river really well for a really long time, but we've come up against the Rockies. Sure. And so we can either say we are still going to canoe 
because that's what we know how to do. Mm-hmm. Or, or we you can adapt. Can adapt. Mm-hmm. And so that's enough of a teaser for that reading. Sure. It's really well written and it's a really brilliant concept to just kind of say, okay, this is more than just something that's happening in North America. This is more than just something that's happening at Central Lutheran. This is more than something that's happening in any one state. Sure. This is just the reality in which we are now living. And no one has done anything wrong and no one has failed. No congregation is failing and awful and bad. We're just in a very different time. Mm -hmm. And we've come up to the Rockies. And there's some beautiful things ahead of us. The Rockies are stunning. Right? Mm-hmm. If you but choose to adapt. Not, they're not a gentle river uh-huh. floating out to the ocean. Fascinating. So that's our first reading. And there's more to it, so people can't just get away with having listened to my summary and coming to class. Nice. I mean, grace abounds, so you totally could. But you would benefit more if you went ahead and Always read it. come prepared. <laughs> Okay, so the next two weeks, we're going to be reading from a book called The Agile Church, Spirit-Led Innovation in an Uncertain Age. Okay. And it's a longer reading, so we split it across two weeks. And the first part of the reading does this incredible job of grounding us in our sacred story. Okay. It goes all the way from Genesis and creation through the book of Acts. And looks at how God is constantly present in the dramatic changes of our world and of our story. Okay. See, we've had dramatic changes in the past. Right. So don't freak out. Right. And it's okay. I've been there the whole time. Okay. And we can see where God is present in it through our sacred story. So it's a beautiful opportunity for some solid biblical grounding. Okay. And to recognize how our story fits into the historical story of the people of faith and how we can lean back on that story that developed 2,000 years ago, even though it's thousands of years later, we can still lean back and say, okay, God was present in the shifting of the story of Israel leaving Egypt. God was present when suddenly the people of Israel wanted a king. Mm -hmm. God was present when the people were occupied and Jesus came into the world. God was present when the early church started to be created. So in all these tumultuous times and all of this challenge, we have stories of God being present within the change. So resting in that then allows us to go forward to the next week's class. So that's the first part of that reading. The second half of that reading, which will be for our third week of classes, talks about how knowing this and knowing this about God, how can we look at the world now and where we are and understand what skills and capacities and things we need to develop in order to know that God is with us and venture into a time of uncertainty. Okay. So that's the third week of this class, if that makes sense. Okay. So third week... Second book. Mm-hmm. Second reading split into two. Okay, next. You got it. All right. Fourth week. Mm-hmm. Third book. I think this one might be the most challenging. Okay. Reading. And it's called Weird Church. Welcome to the 21st Century. Okay. That's the name of the book. And we're reading the intro and the first chapter. Okay. This section of this book is challenging. Okay. 
And it's challenging because it starts to kind of dig deeper. And we will have had three weeks of grounding before we dive into this. Okay. So giving the shorthand is going to be a little hard, but this particular section talks about how different congregations and different theological histories lend toward adaptability or don't lend towards adaptability and why it could be harder for some people and for some organizations and some congregations than for other congregations to be ready to do the adapting that is going to be necessary for the coming changes. Okay. So we know that for some people who have always been on the river and always canoed. They don't want to change. They don't want to go mountaineering, Mm -hmm. right? They just don't. And they may not choose to go mountaineering. And this is kind of a conversation around, well, what happens then? What happens in the midst of standing at a divide point, at a point where people either have to adapt or get left behind? Okay. And what are some ways to talk about that? What are some ways to have compassion around that? What are ways to step towards that without undue or unnecessary angst and harm and those kinds of things, while at the same time understanding if we're going to keep moving forward, Mm -hmm. we got to go over the mountains. Mm -hmm. In this chapter, in one of the moments on it, it does warn people that there could be a mix of reactions to the chapter. For some folks, these first pages will cause them to cheer, perhaps out of a sense that someone is articulating what they've been suspecting for some time. A lot depends on how much one has invested in the status quo. Conversely, a lot depends on how exasperated one is with the status quo. So depending upon where you find yourself, if you're really excited to charge into the mountains, this reading could be really exciting. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who's not so excited about the mountains ahead, it might be more challenging. It can be tough. Yeah. And so what I like about this reading is the opportunity to name that. And to give some language around it Mm -hmm. and to give us the capacity to understand that we are diverse and there's a lot going on here and it's not all going to be sunshine and roses. Yeah. So there's some work to be done there. Uh And this particular book, I think, gives us some language to be able to understand it, which I'm hoping will be a helpful tool and not just make people feel bad. Sure. We'll see. This one is definitely like the agitational rock being thrown into the pond. Okay. And this is week four of five? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the final week... You're not going to leave that as your cliffhanger? No, no. It's I actually wise. really intentionally did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the final week, we're going to be looking at two contemporary writings that in some ways look at the nuts and bolts. Well, what does this mean then? Okay. And one of these is from Rachel Held Evans, a chapter of her book, Searching for Sunday, Loving, Leaving, and Finding the Church. Okay. And it talks about one option that some congregations have chosen in light of this kind of major shift. And then the other is an article out of the ELCA's monthly publication, Living Lutheran Magazine, Okay, that highlights some specifically ELCA congregations and how they are stepping towards vitality in various different ways. So all of these readings came out of our house meetings that we've been doing and the conversations and the frequently asked questions. Sure. To say, why are we saying that things are changing? What's the grounding for that? What does our scripture have to say to us about this kind of a thing? 
What are other churches doing? What is happening in our country and in our denomination around this kind of stuff? And so our response is to offer all of these readings, and then hopefully we'll all get together to have the conversations about what has been stirred up for you. Mm -hmm. What did you hear? And what struck you as exciting and what struck you as scary and what struck you as awesome? And where do you see God bubbling up throughout all of this kind of work? That is fascinating. Okay, taking a step back, when you're picking something for your Lenten studies, a quick sidebar is these happen on Wednesday evenings. Mm -hmm. So this is not a Sunday morning learning hour thing. Right. This is an extra special thing that happens around a special Lenten service and most likely some sort of soup supper. Absolutely. For us, it does. So we have the soup supper from 530 to 615, and then I am co-teaching this class with Bonnie from, what did I say, 6.15 to 7, Mm -hmm. and then 7 o'clock is hold an evening prayer, which is a beautiful worship service that takes about half an hour to wander our way through. So when you're coming up with a curriculum for this, you know it's five weeks. Mm -hmm. How do you choose something for this? Various and sundry ways. I think in this congregation, for me, it's the one time of year that I get to teach the education Oh, sure, because it's not you who does the learning hour on Sundays. I don't do the learning hour Sunday mornings here. And so this is the chance where I have five weeks to kind of lead the educational process. And so I take a look at where we are as a whole congregation, as an entire body. Teaching a class is not preaching. I can get into things that have nothing to do with how the word meets our lives today for this week. Well, and you're not tied to a lectionary reading, which is different. Correct. Not tied to lectionary reading, not tied to having to make sense of a specific scriptural passage. We can look at concepts. We can look at ideas. We can look at theological experiences. We can look at a vast variety. We can do a history lesson. Teaching is very different than preaching. Mm -hmm. And so I get the opportunity and this congregation once a year to really take a look at the whole congregation and say, okay, what could I focus on teaching in this time that will move us forward from wherever it is that we are focusing or we are concentrating or we are heading towards, right? So two years ago, we were in the midst of discernment around a new music partner, Mm-hmm. Our music minister announced her retirement right before Lent began. I led a study about worship. Sure. And what is our liturgy and what do we do within our worship so that as we moved forward in discerning what we were hoping for for a new worship partner, we would have a greater understanding of the worship service itself. That's fair. And so that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for and taking the temp of as I'm working towards developing the five-week curriculum. This time, I brought it up with Bonnie saying, we could intentionally use our Lenten time. Could we do this as part of our study, as part of our discernment, as part of our visioning process Mm -hmm. that we're in the midst of? And the Holy Spirit got a hold of Bonnie and ran with it. Now, if you get to a certain week and people seem to be either stuck or excited about a particular section... Mm -hmm. Will you save the rest of it for later, or will you barrel on through, or is it somewhat depend on the temperature of the room at the time? Depends on the temperature of the room at the time. Okay. And I've had that happen a time or two. When I did teach the adult learning hour in a previous congregation, we had 
been walking through the small catechism and or actually no we were walking through the use of the means of grace because I love taking congregations through that document okay it's an incredible document of our denomination that talks about our understanding of things like baptism and communion and worship and that kind of stuff sure and I had a particular individual who got really stuck on communion that we were allowing children to commune mm. And that we had begun to allow parental discretion, and so infants could even commune. And this particular member just kept asking question after question about it. And so finally, I took him aside and I said, like, I need to know what's the heart pulse beat of where this is coming from. Sure. And found the root of it and said, okay, then I'm going to teach a class specifically on this passage from Corinthians. And we're going to give it that one more class, and then we are moving on. Okay. Because we're holding back the rest of the class at this point. And I hear you, and I want to address this, and we need to address it as a whole, but we're moving on after that class. Okay. It actually led to one of the most beautiful moments, I think, in any conversation I've had around that difference. And that was taught the class on the Corinthians passage and explained to everyone that we would be moving on past this. And he raised his hand, and I kind of nodded, here we go. Sure. I was girded and ready. And he said, thank you for taking the time for this. And I just have to say, for those of us who have lived 80 years understanding this differently, please have grace with us. Oh, that's really lovely. And it was so beautiful and such a meeting-in-the-middle moment Yeah, of being able to say that the church is changing. Yeah. Yeah. For the last 80 years, it has very much been about making certain that you knew enough and that you were wise enough to know what was happening when you received communion. And there was a really big pressure on knowing that you knew what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And now there's much more of an understanding of the Holy Spirit works in us and we never know what's happening at communion. So we're going to open the table and let all God's children come And that's a big shift Mm -hmm. in a lifetime. It is. And to have the grace with those who have grown up in a different way, even as we move forward, because we're going to continue to commune the babies. And so that's exactly this work that we're talking about this Lent. Sure. Right? How do we live out this massive change that has happened incrementally over the last hundred years And then just in leaps and bounds in the last 20 years. Yeah, because the goal is not to leave behind. The goal is to meet in the middle. Correct. Okay. And the goal is to have compassion Mm -hmm. and to give opportunity for it to not be so scary. Excellent. All right. This is going to lead me to my last question. Are you excited about teaching about this or is there just as much trepidation about what may come? I am excited. Okay. I'm a little trepidatious. But maybe I shouldn't be because I think it'll be an exciting reading. So I think I'm just excited. Okay. It's really good material and it's accessible. Some of it's a little challenging, but there's nothing. Our members are really smart. Like, <laughs> like sure. we have really smart, intelligent people. So I am in no way going to pick readings that dumb things down theologically for folks because we have really smart people. I think that all church members are smarter than some folks give them credit for. Sure. And I think it's really easy for us as church members to play ourselves down and like, oh, pastor, you have the degree, just spoon feed it to me. No, you're really smart. You can figure this stuff out alongside of. You Mm -hmm. don't need an expert to engage this. You can totally do it. 
So the readings are good and they're solid and they're just enough challenging. And I hope that people engage them and are energized by this depth of conversation because I find it really fascinating and I find it empowering to live my faith in a different way. And I think that that will do the same for our members and our congregation. And so, yeah, I'm excited about it. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Lenten studies. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And folks, if you are in the area and you want to give this a try, you can join us on Wednesdays. And as I said before, we will have soup supper starting at 5.30 to 6.15. Class starts at 6.15 and runs to 7. And then hold an evening prayer at 7 o'clock. It'll be a lovely gathering time. And you are totally welcome to come and join us for that. If you are not able to, but you're still really interested in what we're doing, shoot me a personal email at pastor at centralportland.org. And we'll see if there's a way for you to get a hold of the readings or have some more information about it. We will link up all of these excellent books on our webpage. You can find that at centralportland.org. Enough is enough. Until we are in your ears again, thank you for listening. And remember, God loves you no matter what.